I wrote two sermons. If, uh, I usually don't call them sermons because that has such a bad connotation. But I wrote most of one, and my computer, in spite of it being saved, decided to disappear it. And this one um, I had written and saved, and my printer decided to only, like, give me three lines of the whole thing. <laughs> so I tried to email it to Susan and, and to the church and to my computer here in the office, and my, com- my email wouldn't work. You're almost just going to have to hear me ramble, but I... I rebooted everything again. I had already done that once, and it did decide to print. So hopefully I won't go too far afield. Uh, Mark Twain said, I can teach anybody how to get what they want out of life. The problem is that I can't find anybody who can tell me what they want. We have a hard time articulating a lot of the things that are most important to us. And we also have a hard time identifying or at least acknowledging the things that are most important to us. Do you know what you want? Think about it for a moment. Maybe you've given it a great deal of thought before, maybe not. What is it you really want? What do you dream of most? What do your thoughts gravitate toward that is not already part of your life and reality? What's motivating you? Lao Tzu, who gave us the Tao Te Ching, taught that at the center of your being, you have the answer. You know who you are, and you know what you want. We have longings. There are things that we may not even be able to identify the want of which drive us privately and collectively. Want, it's a psychological function that our physiology created for survival, right? I mean, I'm sure that's way oversimplifying everything. Um, But but it's a good idea right now. (laughs) Um, Want came as a response to need or perceived need, lack, or a sense of lack. Everything we have ever wanted can be traced back somehow to urges that are developed because of things that we absolutely have to have in order to survive. 
food, air, shelter, protection, care, comfort. Um, and I don't mean like, you know, cashmere. I, I mean uh, not having holes driven through your feet when you walk around. And um, Somehow everything in our lives we have ever wanted. Everything goes back to that. And it's desire that makes us productive, educated, relational, and wants gone awry account for all our addictions, criminal behavior, and wars. If we don't take the time from time to time to sit down with ourselves and examine them, we either run on autopilot and stop making choices about our destination, or we miss turns and encounter hazards because the roads and the maps change all the time. Whether our desire, or our most ultimate, deepest desire, is for the safety of our children, or world peace, or a trustworthy vehicle, or work that is meaningful, companionship, or enlightenment and connection, whatever takes up the most space in our minds, the most time in our thoughts, is what we're actually creating for ourselves. I remember in the church of my childhood being told that what we most value, what we most often put our attention on, is what we're really worshiping. That's what we have made God in our lives. That you know, I grew up in a Southern Baptist church, so that was exactly the word <laughs> they used. Um, this was kind of a scary idea for a teenager. <laughs> Growing up in a Southern Baptist church, um, just how blasphemous was I being with my obsessive adolescent spinnings? I thought I had rid myself of that demon, but then I discovered that a quote by Ralph Waldo Emerson that I made reference to in one of the visioning sessions yesterday. A person will worship something, have no doubt about that. We may think our tribute is paid in secret in the dark recesses of our heart, but it will out. That which dominates our imaginations and our thoughts will determine our lives and character. Therefore, it behooves us to be careful what we worship, for what we are worshiping we are becoming. Sounds like the same idea to me. One of my father's favorite sayings was, As a man thinketh, so shall he be. I had a great deal of respect for my father. He was an honest and honorable man. 
um, who it seems to me genuinely wanted to live a virtuous life. I think he went to some pretty amazing lengths to try to direct and control his own thinking and his own wants. When he first got out, I was told, I wasn't there to witness it, but when I was told when he first got out of the Navy, he had developed quite a habit for bad language, foul language, and so he wanted to change that. And he would pinch himself until he turned purple every time he said a curse word until he broke himself of the habit. Now, in my lifetime, I never heard him use a four-letter word. I was there when he got his hand caught in a lawnmower, and all he said was, Woo! (laughs) I'm, you know... Now, I don't advocate those tactics, but commitment to self-awareness so that we might better direct our energy, direct what we're creating in our lives, really know what we want is a way to achieve the outcomes that are desired. I think most of us want contentment, internal satisfaction and peace of mind about our lives and those things that we care about, a feeling that it's all okay. though we may not know what that looks like or exactly how to get it. We may have some inkling or intellectual understanding that it's an inside job, but we still want, still experience lack, despite our abundance. And though we are each alone within the boundaries of our own minds, I believe that we are not here to live in isolation. And isolation happens in a whole lot of ways. There are a lot of us here today that are isolated. Turn of the last century, poet, George Woodbury once wrote, to feel that one has a place in life solves half the problems of contentment. Well, that's a piece of the puzzle we can provide for one another here. At visioning sessions, that was mentioned as one thing people believe to be the purpose of having a church. It was certainly not the only thing that was mentioned, but it was a significant one nevertheless. Years ago, I performed at a showcase house in Los, well, in Studio City, California, called the Blah Blah Cafe. And there were all sorts of noteworthy people that came across that stage. I'm not gonna go into any of the names, 
But a woman who was kind of central in managing things there wrote a book about it. And for the release of the book, she decided to have a reunion of the people that had played at the Blah Blah Cafe. I didn't go. And I really wasn't one of the people that was essential to the personality of the place. I wasn't that integral. But I started, when I didn't go, I started to imagine the interactions of the people that were a part of the personality of that place. And I thought about the affinity that they had for each other. That thought sent me to a place in the Sierra Nevada foothills in which I really came into my own as a player and artist and singer and uh, creator. The place I first claimed my own power and kind of had a sense of my own identity. I discovered a common thread I recognized in each situation that those who formed the strongest bonds were like a single crop. Planted or rooted in a single location, tilling our arts, tending the seeds, the nascent shoots, and being tilled, it's one crop that ripened together. Now, we grew and ripened together out, of, out from our guarded, protected shells. Uh, we opened to give and receive the very air of life. But we had little in the world in common other than just happening into those spots. And... a commitment to digging deeper at that point in our lives to reach the nutrients that were necessary. That was true of the people at the blah, blah. That was the, true of the, my circle of friends in California. I'm sure that you all have some point in your life that you can call that's kind of like that. Then I began to recognize and observe that dynamic was true in other groups all around. Other groups and circles in the city, other groups and circles and periods in my own life. Having a place, finding a place required an investment of self that went beyond any of the ordinary factors. What do you really want? We know that the want of things is the same thing as having some place that feels empty. We know that wanting justice for everyone, at least in this life, 
either carries us along in an endless river that wears very slowly and powerfully away at injustice, or it leads to frustration and a sense of failure. That river is endless. The same is true for wanting peace in this world. So is that what you want? We can easily recognize that the deepest longings of our spirit find quenching only in those places experienced as abundance. Where there is not a sense of lack, there is no wanting. Where there is nothing left wanting, there's contentment. I think there's a real big difference between being indifferent and being without that sense of lack. What do we want? Developing that abundance is a personal choice. But like I said, a place is something we can give each other if we're willing to invest we can make it an incredible community ourselves that's all I'm talking about right now openness heart time And it takes that which is beyond us to give us the fuel to do any of that.